I meant to do that. Well, good morning, Hope. Uh, good to be here with you this morning. My name is Pete Smith. I am the, uh, what is it, a church life minister, I guess. My title has changed, I feel like, in the last year uh, here at Hope Ames. Uh, what that means, though, is I get to be a part of a lot of things here, which is awesome. I get from nursery to Hope Kids to student ministry, Kairos and adult ministry. I get to kind of be a part of it all, which is pretty awesome. So, uh, but it's also, I get asked to preach every once in a while. So it's pretty fun to be with you here this morning. Thanks for joining us this, here this morning. It's going to be a great morning. Has anybody uh, seen Pee-wee's Big Adventure before? Anybody seen that before? That was like my childhood right there was Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I watched that so many times. I, I probably know most of the lines of the movie. And I thought, Reg Rice started today. Why not, you know, talk about bikes, right? Why not have a bike, uh, have a bike sermon this morning. So I thought, what a better way to kick it off than with uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. The whole movie kind of revolves around his bike. That bike that you see there gets stolen, and then he goes, and it's just the whole movie is him trying to find his bike, which is not that great of a plot. I understand that, but uh, it's, there, there's just these different moments that happen throughout as he searches for his bike. Uh, bikes were very important for Pee Wee, I guess. But as, as, as a kid, it was very, bikes were important for me too growing up. Uh, I grew up in Northwest Iowa, a tiny town of like 700 people in Northwest Iowa. And so while I was there, uh, bikes were key every day of the summer. Like that's what we did. You got up in the morning, you put clothes on, you grabbed breakfast, and then you hopped on your bike and you rode to your friend's house and played basketball for a while. And then everybody hopped on their bikes, you went to the park and you played baseball, and then you rode your bike back home to get lunch. And then you hop on your bike after lunch to another friend's house and every day, that's what you did. You just cruised around town on your bikes. That's the way you got around. I don't know if anybody else experienced that growing up. Uh, an amazing experience. It was so awesome, so fun. Um, I remember when I got my first real bike, like from a bike store, you know what I'm talking about? Like I blew my mind as well, I guess, when I was a kid and I was like, there's stores just for bikes? This is amazing. We went to the next town over and they had a bike store downtown and my dad bought me this cool blue bike that had shifters on it and brakes that weren't your feet, you know, and you're just, you feel like, you know, a big, big guy now, big kid, right? And, and I remember that. I remember that blue Raleigh that I got. I remember breaking that blue Raleigh a couple years later, doing a jump at my neighbor Aaron's house and I landed and, and the back derailleur just flung off and broke off of the bike and I remember how sad that was. Bikes were important for me growing up. Uh, Ragbri, like I said, started today, and, and I, I've done Ragbri three times, like once when I was in high school, once in college, and then once like 10 years ago or so. Um, fun, fun week of just being able to be a part of stuff. I had the whole Ragbri experience. I got wiped out one time in the ditch. Somebody wiped me out, and I fell in the ditch, so that was pretty exciting. One time a bee like landed on my neck, and I didn't realize it's a bee. I'm pedaling along, and you're just trying to get to the next town, and I was like, what is that? And I grabbed it and it stung me and my neck got huge. And uh, does that happen? Uh, definitely took naps like after lunch, ate lunch and it's just so hot and you're so full and you're just in this random town in Iowa and sleeping under a tree. Like those have been my life. That's been my life on bikes. It's been real fun. My family, uh, we like bikes as well. Uh, my wife, Marta, and my six-year-old son, Beck, 
even this last Thursday, we t- I took the day off and we went to Waterloo to George Wythe and we did like over 18 miles worth of trails, of dirt trails and stuff. A six-year-old doing all those trails. It's amazing that my kid could hang with us. Uh, but we did all these trails and did a bunch of fun stuff. Um, bikes are huge in my life. Bikes have been big in my life for a long time. Another thing that's been big in my life for a long time is faith. Um, I remember as a kid growing up in this tiny town in Northwest Iowa, and my mom was the uh, accompanist at, the, at our Methodist church. She played the piano. She played the organ. She'd, every Sunday morning, she'd, my brother uh, and I, she would plop us down in the pew in the front row right by the piano and organ, probably to make sure that we weren't, you know, keep her eye on us, you know, that we weren't messing around too much. And I remember sitting through services. We had to. We had to go. My mom made us go. The highlight for me was always cookies and juice after service. Like that was like, yes, get some, as many cookies as I want. And uh, that was a highlight. But throughout that time and going to Sunday school and throughout that time, uh, over and over again, I was hearing stories. I was hearing about who God was, but it was, you know, that's all it was. It was like this foundational thing that was kind of building in me. It wasn't until I was in upper high school, college age, when something clicked. Something made sense to me. And all of a sudden I was like, wait a sec. All these stories and these things that I heard about Jesus and who God is and, and stuff from the Old Testament, that all flows together. And it, apply, and it applies to my life. It all makes sense now. So faith has been something that has been very impactful and huge in my life, uh, you know, since I was little, little, little. I don't know. I, it was so fun watching Adam get, get baptized and, and, and thinking about that, right? Like the, the, how cool that is to be welcomed into a family of God. I love that we get to read stuff and we get to respond back that we want to support Aiden in his life and his faith journey. How cool that he played in water. And then I don't know, he's in the front during the songs, during the worship songs after, but he was in it clapping and he was a part of it. It was so cool because we're all in this together, right? We're all in this together. Uh, Something I think is interesting from our scripture reading that we had today from John is that it's another group of people. uh, This is like Jesus calling the disciples and it's another group of people uh, that have been waiting, that have been poured into throughout their entire life. Faith has been something that was important to these men that Jesus was talking to. But all of a sudden, something switched. Something happened. So if you want to join me, we're going to actually kind of dig into a little bit to John, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. If you want to get your Bibles or Bible apps, you can join me there. Uh, I'll read it to you as well, but um, we're going to kind of look through this a little bit as we go. Uh, So we're going to start in verse 35. It says, The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. What do you want? We're going to look at this small interaction that changed so many lives, not just the disciples' lives, but our lives as well. The small interaction that Jesus has with these two men who have been for, for years and years and years have been waiting to have this moment with the Messiah, longing for it, hoping for it. It's 11 words in our, in our Bible. It's 11 words in our English. In the Greek, it was six words that they had, this exchange between each other that we're going to look at this morning. It's not a lot, not a lot of dialogue, but a big change in lives that happened. 
So Jesus looked at them and said, what do you want? What do you want? And now that sounds like a strange thing to say. Like to me, I don't think it's that he was annoyed that they were there. Like, what do you want? But I think it's something really, it's like this, this core thing that speaks to us in our, to our, in our souls and in our inner beings, right? Like this, this, what do you want is this thing that we, we talk about and that we, we ask ourselves every day, right? You wake up in the morning and you, what do, I, what do you want to wear? You ask yourself, or you ask yourself, what do I want to eat for breakfast? What do I want to listen to in the car as I'm driving to work? What do I want to eat for lunch? What do I want to do at work today? What do I want to do tonight? What do I want to watch on Netflix tonight? I have a six-year-old, like I said, and we hear what, we say, what do you want all the time? Because there's always something, right? If, has anybody else been there before with little ones? There's always something they want. What do you want? Goldfish, apples, what do you want? Right? This is the human condition that we have. What do you want? And Jesus is meeting us right there. Jesus meets us right where we are. What do you want? Now, I don't think Jesus is asking them, what do you want? As in like, what do you want? Apples or goldfish? That's not what he's asking them here. But I think really what he's saying is, what do you want? What are you looking for? You see, like I said, when I was a kid growing up, I learned all these stories about Jesus and, and about the Bible. And I was learning all these different stories. And all of a sudden, it's, it, it clicked in my head that why this was there, why I was learning this, what God means in my life. Over and over again, these, the, these soon-to-be disciples, these men that Jesus is talking to, uh, they were taught about this person who was going to be the Messiah, who was going to come and save them from sin. When John the Baptist looks at them earlier and he says, look, there is the Lamb of God. The, 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 it switches in their mind, right? All of a sudden they say, the Lamb of God, that's the Messiah. That's the person who's going to come and save us. I want that. I want that. So immediately when, when he, they are asked, what do you want? Really, Jesus is saying, what do, you, do you want this? Do you want to come with me, right? So as they, they look at that and they say, Jesus says, what do you want? And I love what happens next. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Where are you staying? They, asked, they answered a question with another question. Come on, who does that? And I think that if you were reading this, like this is not a normal dialogue that we would have, right? What do you want? Where are you staying? That doesn't make sense, right? In a normal dialogue of, of English that we have on a daily basis. What do you want? Where are you staying? What? What are you talking about? That makes no sense. But what I think that the disciples, these soon the disciples are saying is not where are you staying because I want to know what neighborhood you live in. Not where are you staying because we need a place to stay so can we come crash with you? No, no, no. I think that what they're saying is where are you staying? Because we want to be where you are. Because Jesus, we know that you are something bigger than what we already have. As the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Jesus, we want to be with you. So where are you staying? Because that's where we're going to. Little did they know that uh, for the next three years, that's what they're doing. They are with Jesus all the time, right? They are with Jesus all the time. And that's what they want. They want to be with 
him because of the promise that was made, but also because of the ways that, uh, well, the promises that were made for about Jesus, but also of the ways that Jesus treated them and they saw that Jesus treated others. Where are you staying? This, this question kind of uh, intrigued me a little bit. As I was kind of preparing for the sermon and preparing for the, this morning, uh, I was like, why did they ask this question? And so I kind of did some reading of some different theologians and commentaries about why was this question asked? And something interesting that I learned that I want to share with you this morning is this. It comes from the Greek word. Uh, it's called menos is the Greek word. Uh, meno, menos uh, is the Greek word. And it's, it really, what it translates to is to remain or to abide. Say it with me, meno. Meno, it's like meno, but meno, if that makes sense. So meno. I Googled it. I don't know. That's, that's how Google said to say it. I, I, I had two sources on Google that that's what they said. So, um, but meno is the word. It means to remain or abide. And as I was reading these commentaries and these theologians talking about this question, as I was reading about it, they said, this is really the crux of the gospel of John. Nowhere else is, it, is this word meno used more than in the gospel of John. 33 times it's used throughout the book of John talking about this idea of abiding, of remaining the second, second runner-up, like the second place, is like 12 times in 1 John. So quite a bit more times they, they use this Greek, meno. And what these philosophers, or these theologians and these, uh, and these commentaries that I read, what they said was that the reason that they used this word, that John was using this word, was because that is what Jesus wants. He wants us to remain with him. To be with him. Not just for the day, not just for the morning, not just for, hey, we're doing this for an hour, but to stay, to remain. This is the promise that we have. It's all throughout John. You can see there's a few examples that I've just pulled. One, uh, John 15, 9. Here's another one where Menno is at. Jesus says, remain, Menno, in my love. Remain, stay, don't leave. Stay, abide. In my love. Or when he was baptized, uh, it's, a dove came down and, and rested upon him. Menno stayed. The Holy Spirit, like a dove, came down and rested upon Jesus. Or Jesus says in John 15, remain menno in me, and I will remain menno in you. Stay with me, and I will stay with you. Let's make this last. It's not a brief encounter. Or John 4.40. So and in this one, there's times where Jesus then just meno, they talk about in John too, there's multiple times where uh, this meno word comes up in Greek and it's Jesus staying in a community. So it says, so he, Jesus, stayed menoed for two days in a community. Stay, remain, be a part of something. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what John is trying to say. What the gospel is, is this, this desire for God to be in a relationship with us. That Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again to make things right between us and God so that we are able to stay, to meno, to be together with the creator of this universe. That's what the gospel is. That's what the good news is. 
when I think about um, uh, being mental, being staying and being in the presence of, of God and being in the presence of each other, uh, it makes me think about hospitality a little bit. When I think about hospitality, it makes me think uh, about this idea of, you know, like there's this giving and this receiving that happens, right, in hospitality. I'm horrible. I was, and I'm trying to get better at it, but I am absolutely miserable at hospitality. I'm really bad at it. When I, and I'm, I'm better than I was though. Like when I was in high school and maybe middle school, I don't know. I'd be over at friends' houses and it would be around dinner time. And my friends would say, hey, uh, my parents, we're gonna eat. Do you wanna eat with us? We're having pizza. Do you wanna eat? And I'm like, I did. I did wanna eat. I wanted to say yes. But every time I was like, no, that's okay. I'm good. I'll just hang out over here. Do you want to hang out after? Yeah, yeah, I'll hang out over here. I don't know why I wasn't eating at my own house. I'm not sure what the, why I wasn't home, but I wasn't. I was at my friend's house over mealtimes, and it seemed to happen a lot. I never accepted their hospitality. Instead, I awkwardly sat in the living room by myself. This is pre-cell phone. I didn't have, I couldn't even just distract myself with a phone, you know. Awkwardly sat there, and I'm sure their parents were like, who is this weirdo? <laughs> sitting in this other room. We invited him to come and eat with me. Uh, why is he, what, what's, that's so odd. Now, I, I, one, time I, now, one time I did say yes, and it was at my friend John's house, and we had spam. So maybe my decisions were like, okay to not do it. Like, <laughs> that was my one time and only time of spam. Uh, so maybe uh, saying no was wise on my part. I don't know. But in all honesty, I think really what it is, is hospitality, there, it's a, a two-way road. When we're staying, when we're a meno with each other in a, hospi- in, a, in a hospitality way, it's a blessing for everybody, isn't it? For those that are uh, hosting, come to my house, we're going to grill out, or we're going to make all this really good food and have this great conversation, whatever. That's a blessing that we, it's awesome. It, it gives to me, right? It fulfills me when we invite people over. But then when people invite us over too, it's the same way. It's a blessing to me. It's a blessing to you, right? Jesus talks about hospitality as well. Uh, He teaches his disciples and us, I think, as well, a little bit about what hospitality is. About this idea of being, uh, Menno, about this idea of being fully present and engaged. In the book of Luke, uh, in the gospel of Luke, Jesus is preparing his disciples as like a little mini trial run, right? Like, okay, I want you to go out, Jesus says, I want you to go out and I want you to go to other communities and tell them the good news. Now, little did they know probably that this was gonna be their life from then on, right? This is Jesus kind of just getting their feet wet a little bit. But he says, go out and do this. And he says, uh, go to the town, don't even bring anything with you. Don't bring a change of clothes, just go go. No money, anything like that. Go to the first house you find, knock on the door, and if they let you in, great. Stay there. Don't leave. Don't move from house to house. And he says, do not hesitate to accept hospitality. Do not hesitate to accept it because it is a blessing not only for them, but, it, but for you. Do not hesitate. Don't be that weird Pete that sits in the other room and, and waits and just awkwardly waits for supper to be done. Instead, embrace it. Embrace that moment and learn and grow together. Menno. As we continue going then, we see uh, the last little interaction then between the disciples, the, uh, the calling of the disciples and Jesus. They say, what do you want? He, uh, he says what they want. They say, where are you staying? And then immediately Jesus says to them, Come 
and see. Come and see. What a great response. Come and see. He didn't say, sit down. I've got a three-point sermon that I'm going to give you. He didn't say that. He didn't say, well, you know, it's kind of like this or it's kind of like that. Or, you know, I'll be around again. We'll catch you the next time. He didn't say, go talk to that guy. He could tell you what it is. He said, no, come and see. I want you to experience it. I can't tell you what it is. You need to see what it is. My dad uh, is a great guy. Uh, and growing up, my dad, uh, that, like, my, he would sometimes be at church with us. And I think mainly just to kind of like either keep an eye on my brother and I or uh, support my mom as she is playing. And, and, uh, but I don't think faith was a huge thing in his life growing up. He'd show up sometimes and he'd be there, but I don't think it was like a huge thing. Um, and then, like I said, when I was in upper high school, college age, it was when faith kind of started clicking in my life. And I was like, yes, this is amazing. This is great. And, and so uh, I, I, was pray I started praying for my dad. And I, never, I will never forget, on, uh, it, was a, it was a hot summer day. I was at UNI. I was doing summer school. Um, and my mom called me and she's like, pray for your dad. I was like, whoa, what happened? I was, I was nervous, like did something happen, you know? And my mom's like, no, no, no. He's asking a lot of questions right now about faith, about who God is. Pray for him. I was like, I have been. I will keep praying for him. This is amazing. And so I kept praying for my dad and, and the, it, God called him, flipped the switch and it made sense in his life. My dad was a great guy and, and now he's even greater because he is living his life for a different reason. God said, come and see, and my dad did. Here at Hope, we have all sorts of come and see stories that happen, right? Like we have all these different things that happen where it's come and see this, come and see that. Here's what happened. Here's what God did. One of those is, and it happens, I think, individually for us. I think there's a lot of stories that I get to hear uh, as being on staff here. I get to hear a lot of fun stories and amazing things of how God's moving. But I also get to see a lot of amazing things and be a part of a lot of amazing things. Uh, two weeks ago, we had a vacation Bible school, like Danny said, and, and we had over 200 kids that came to Hope Ames VBS, which is amazing. Hope Ranch, woohoo! It was awesome. It was so cool. We crammed 200 plus kids, plus about 80 volunteer adults and students in the Link, which is our office building over on West uh, Lincoln Way. It was chaotic and beautiful all together. It was amazing, the, the amount of, uh, of, of uh, just how God showed up there, where the Holy Spirit was. And while we were there, uh, while it was happening, uh, God was doing such amazing things there and working through so many amazing ways. And, and the reason that, that it's there is it's so that kids can invite others to come. My guy, back six, invited our neighbor, our backyard neighbors. He even got into a debate, <laughs> he's six, and with a, with a seven-year-old, uh, with a, a neighbor kid down the road who his, his neighbor, the neighbor kid said, oh, my dad says God doesn't exist. <laughs> and he's like, come to VBS, come check it out. He didn't come, but we're still working on him. We're still working on him. We'll, we'll, we'll get him there. Come and see. That's what we do VBS for. Yesterday was Taste of Hope which is a big party. Uh, Hope had uh, VBS the last two weeks, uh, all the Hope campuses. And so last week, or yesterday was Taste of Hope. 
down in West Des Moines. It was awesome. It was so much fun. We got to uh, be a part of all these cool things. You can kind of see pictures from our VBS, the smiles, the joy. This is Steve Simpson over here. Like, were you two weeks retired? Two weeks retired and he comes and volunteers for a week at, at VBS with a smile from ear to ear. Every day, Steve, how's it going? Oh, it's great. I can't believe what God's doing here. It's awesome. Come and see. At Taste of Hope, I was kind of reminded by this verse here from Psalm where it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Experience it. Live it. So what does that mean for us? Come and see. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago at our men's group on Monday night uh, about what does this mean? Come and see. What does that look like? And one, one of the guys at the group said, all right, everybody, let's go around the circle and let's share. Who, who's the last person that we invited to come to church? I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Some people thought, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want, I could tell the room. It was kind of like, mm, maybe I don't want to talk about this. Some people thought that. And then we kind of settled on this where it was like, you are really good at inviting people. But you know what I do? I serve. When people show up, I want to be that greeter or that usher that has that smile, that, that just welcoming people here. I want to be that person that is there so that when whoever they see first when they walk in the door, they know that, that it is not an accident that they're here. You see, invitation's great and, and, and that's, we, we are called to do that. We got to do that. We need to invite people, but we also need people that are willing to be hospitable here, to open the doors and, and say, yes, we are so glad. It's not an accident that you are here. And maybe that's not, maybe uh, you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, I could do that. I could greet and stuff, but I just need a little something else. Like Danny's saying at announcements, we've got the nursery on Sunday mornings. We've got to hope kids on Sunday mornings. We'd love to have you. When I was a kid and, and at Sunday school, after eating as much cookies as I possibly could and as much juice as my mom would allow me, I'd go to Sunday school and that's where I learned the important things, right? You see, I think we were called to come and see. We all have stories of how we came here and how we landed at Hope. Maybe somebody invited us. Maybe we drove by and saw the banners one day and we're like, what's going on? Or maybe we were online watching Hope West Des Moines and we thought, what? There's a campus at Hope Ames? Great. We all have stories about how we got here. We're called to bring others here, but we're also called to be hospitable while they are here too. We don't think it's an accident that you are all here. And I want to say that come and see has happened, right? We're all here and we have come and seen. But now I want to challenge you with something else. Go and do. This is hard for me. And I was thinking about it this morning as I was kind of just praying through this and, 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 talk, and talking to myself a little bit about this. And I'm not good at this either. I get home and I just want to be at home. Or I get, you know, I get locked in on something that I want to do. And I just, I don't have time, I keep saying, right? I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that. But we do. So how we choose our time. We want to be where you are, Jesus. Where are you staying? Go and do. Maybe, maybe uh, kids aren't your thing. Maybe you're like, oh, I don't know about that. Maybe you think to yourself, I love working with middle schoolers. 
Yeah, that, that should be a shirt. I, I don't think that would sell very well. No, actually, I love, I think middle schools are the best, to be honest with you. But we have awesome student ministry that happens on Sunday nights. Carrie Birchka would love to get you plugged in. Those are transformative years, everybody. Those are times where we are able to really impact some lives. We'd love to get you involved. Middle school, high school, go and do. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe you're like, you know what, Pete, that's, all that sounds really good. I don't know if I have time for that, or I don't know if I'm prepared for that, or I don't know if I'm ready for that. That's okay. We'd love to get you plugged in in small groups. This fall, we'll get you plugged in. We, this is a community that we want to continue to grow and to grow together, to grow with God. We want to be a part of each other's lives. Go and do. I feel like we've all got this pandemic slumber. Don't you, do you feel that kind of a little bit? I feel like we're starting to shake it off a little bit, but we're just, it's, we got kind of, we got kind of stuck in that, that's that slide of, you know, like, cool, I can do this at home or I can, I, I, I don't need to be out and about as much, I guess. I was doing all this stuff before the pandemic, but it's kind of nice just to come home and put my feet up. I think it's time to go and do again. Don't you? I think it's time. I feel it in my life. I hope you feel it in yours. Go and do church. Let's pray. God, we praise you this morning. We thank you for who you are in our lives, God. We thank you for the ways that you move through this church and through our lives. God, that you said to us, each and every one of us, come and see. Come and experience. Come and live it out. God, show us ways that we can then go and do. God, show us ways that we can love others as you have loved us, serve others as you have served us. Be hospitable, God, to others. God, show us how we can continue to remain in you. God, we praise you this morning. God, speak to us. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with your message with your leadings and your promptings and give us the courage to then step forward and say, yes, I will go and do that. God, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.